Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, what is up? Friday, September the 16th, 2022. Appreciate you all tuning in. Chris Phillips here, the Daily Crow, the Spurs Up show. I do apologize for some of the confusion uh, in regards to our live video setup that was scheduled. I had to create a new stream, if you will, uh, something, I don't know. Mel- Melon just, it, it, seems, it seems like on a daily basis. Must champ hackers play around with us. Maybe it's just this week. I don't know. I, either way, appreciate you all tuning in. What's going on? Noah Johns, Jeff Gulledge, Stephen Borwell Jr., Gad, Cocky Talk. Gad, I'm getting back to your email, by the way, my friend. I'm not ignoring you. Uh, we will make sure we get your merchandise out to you. Chase Orvin, D.C., Brennan M., uh, Erting, Irie, what's going on? Appreciate y'all. Billy Thompson, what is up? Uh, Justin Housen, what's going on, my friend? Appreciate you tuning in as well. Got a packed show, lot to get into. We got my good friend, Jake Crane of Crane & Company, also joining on the show, Zachary Thompson, Cody Gaskins. Hey, 24 hours till kick. I'm fired up. If you listen to the podcast, you can tell I'm fired up. 24 hours until toe meets leather. 24 hours. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Anyways, guys, <clears throat> we are here. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. I do want to hear from you again. Jake will be on with us at 1215. So if you want to try to get a call in, you can do so. Also, you're in the big cock club. Head over to the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel, to be sure that your questions are answered there. Hunter Rhodes says, what time does the tailgate start tomorrow? Great question, Hunter. The tailgate gets going 8 a.m. 8 a.m. I will be out there uh, at Sewell Spot 78. I invite everyone to come out. We're going to have a fantastic time. A lot of fun. We'll have koozies and towels for sale. We'll also have koozies and stickers to give away for absolutely free. My good friend, uh, Dallas, over at A1 Air Quality Consultants, they got some koozies made, their logo on one side, our logo on the other. They're really, really sharp. I'd show you one, but they're actually in the car. Maybe during the break, I'll go grab a koozie and show you what, you, what they get, or show you guys, excuse me, I can spit it out, what they look like. But we'll have koozies and towels for sale, the Beamer Ball towels, the Beamer Ball Welcome Home koozies, also the free koozies from our friends over at A1 Air Quality Consultants, and the Beamer Ball stickers that I'm sure you guys have seen on social media. So again, really excited. We'll be out at Sewell Spot 78, 8 a.m. when we'll, we'll get going. And of course, kickoff is set for noon tomorrow at Williams Bryce Stadium. Guys, want to hear from you. Jake Crane joining us at 1215. If you want to try to squeeze in a call, um, I have <clears throat> I have dropped my prediction. And by the way, you're in the Big Cock Club Discord over the TDC Questions channel. And I saw my guy, yes, Craig Phillips. I saw Craig in Target. I saw Craig in Target. How about that? Out in uh, old Simpsonville. Craig, great to meet you, my friend. I know it was kind of quick, and my brain was sort of scrambled eggs yesterday when you saw me, but uh, great to meet you actually in person, my friend, for sure. Always great to meet you guys. Uh, guys, before we dive any deeper, I do want to tell you about uh, our friends over at Prize Picks because the Daily Crow is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Today, I promise later today, I will be dropping – 
my prize picks play of the weekend. My buddy P-Dalk's crushing it on prize picks. Rags to riches, right? We were talking about it last night. But uh, prize picks, the name of the game. And again, you're betting on spreads, over-unders, totals, futures, what, what might have you. Uh, prize picks, the way to go for all of your prop plays. Guys, there is a lot of money to be made with our friends at prize picks. Go down with the prize picks app. Go to prizepicks.com. When you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And again, you can bet on everything and anything. Prop plays with NBA, NHL, MLB, NFL, of course, and of course, college sports, which is why we love it. But literally anything and everything you can think of, everything from pass yards, rush yards, touchdowns, interceptions. I mean, literally everything you can think of. So again, that's our friends at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app. Go to pricepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Uh, anyways, my good friend Jake Crane, I think he's actually going to, he just hit me up, going to call in today. He is going to call in today. Let's see. Yeah, he will be calling in today instead of doing video. I don't know what, what, uh, you know, what Jake is doing. Either way, whatever. It's all good. We just, we just appreciate Jake taking time to come on the show um dc's got his prediction locked in 42 to 21 georgia whoops our ass he says you know listen i i, I dropped my prediction 41 to 10 and, and it's and it's going to bother some people right it's it's an ugly score prediction no doubt you know i i am hopeful and optimistic that it can be much much closer than that i i guess what i'm doing guys is i'm making a pick and sort of setting myself i'm setting my expectations low that's what it is it's not that i don't think that we could hang with them and lose by 14, lose by seven, God forbid, even win the game. But just realistically, guys, game's not played on paper, for sure. But you got to pick, you, you got to make picks, <clears throat> excuse me, you got to make picks based off what you know. You, you got to make picks based off what you, or at least what you've seen. What you've seen. <clears throat> and what we've seen to this point has been a team that can't run the ball and can't stop the run. And I know Georgia, we're looking at them as a pass-happy football team right now. Here's my thing. How do you stop Georgia? Like, like what, what, what is the game plan defensively? You know, where do we feel like we have the advantage that we can attack Georgia on the defensive side and, and win more often than we lose? I, I just don't see it. You know, I, I just don't know. I just don't know where it is, you know. So... Let's see. Joey says a lot's going to depend on who was listed as questionable and who actually plays. That's a great point, Joey, because I tell you what, if, if, if R.J. Roderick and Cam Smith especially, like if some of your top guys on the defensive side can't go, I mean, it's just going to be it, – it, it's. I mean, it's already – even if those guys play, it's already a tall test. But there's one thing guaranteed. There's one thing guaranteed about tomorrow, that the shame storm will be felt at Willie B. Guys, again, appreciate you all tuning in, man. I'm fired up. I'm fired up here on this Friday. Excited to chat with you all. Excited to get back into Columbia. I'll be there later today. Excited for kickoff tomorrow. TGIF as well, man. We go into the weekend. A lot of great college football this weekend. I guess it starts going tonight with Florida State and Louisville. Florida State and Louisville get going tonight. Got a lot of great SEC games tomorrow. Of course, capped off with that nightcap. Uh, capped off with the nightcap of... 
of Texas A&M and Miami. We'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on the SEC. What do you guys feel like this, this weekend with the games? Anything stand out to you? Any game you're looking forward to? Um, anyways, Gamecocks, Bulldogs, noon kick. Going to be fun, man. Going to be fun. Again, excited to chat with our friend Jake Crane of Crane & Company. I want to say this, too. Thank you so much to all of our guests this week. Stephen Garcia, Alex McGrath, Anthony Treesh, and J.C. Sherbert, and then, of course, Jake Crane upcoming. Uh, thank you to those guys so much. The immense value they've brought to the, the Daily Crow on a day-in, day-out basis. Having these daily guests has been incredible. Um, also, being on with Mark Rogers, the voice of college football, being on with Michael Bratton, that SEC podcast, SEC Mike. It's been a very successful week in regards to that and, and uh, spreading the brand and, and being able to go on these shows, all these talented creators, and talk ball. And I just want to say I appreciate them coming on my show. I appreciate them having me on their airwaves uh, and excited for more of that in the very, very near future. Uh, let's see. Craig Phillips in the TDC Questions channel, he says, do you think it hurts Satterfield being on the field calling plays or should he be up in the box where he can see the whole field? instead of relaying on other, or relying on other coaches to tell him what they see. I, I mean, here's the thing, Craig. I don't know because I've never been an offensive coordinator, right? I, I just, I feel like that's something. I, I would hope he can figure that out on his own, right? Like, I, I don't think he needs, he needs me to tell him what's, what's better than the other. Like, you're the OC. You've been a football coach. Like, you, you shouldn't need me to tell you um, what's going to work and, and what it, you know what I mean? I, I will say this. I asked JC about it yesterday and we posted the clip actually of his reaction on social media. I am really curious to get the reaction from Jake Crane because again, Jake knows football. He coached it. I'm curious to get his thoughts on what, on what, uh, on what uh, Marcus Satterfield had to say in regards to the offensive scheme, or at least what his goal is for the offense. Because, um, <clears throat> again, J.C. Sherbert's convinced that it's just completely impossible. And, and I and I, listen, I, I do tend to agree with him. I mean, I, I saw some people commenting just saying, well, you know, they did it under Spurrier and give him some time to recruit. And, again, I don't think J.C. was saying that you can't recruit really good linemen here. Look at what they're doing in the class. But can you stack up enough? to have an identity where you're living in 12 and 13 personnel, huddle up, run 58 plays per game. Like, it it, ha it almost like, it feels like it has to be a smokescreen. Because there's just no way. Run for 275, throw for 220. I just, that can't be right, right? That can't, I, I don't know. I don't know. My guy, Eric Reese. Reese Creative, dude, thank you so much, man, for the help with the graphics. Y'all go follow Reese Creative on social media, by the way. Dude does work. What are the uniforms, Eric? Uh, I got no idea. I got no idea. We, we, we've heard no sort of uniform leak this week. Um, nothing. So, I, I got no clue. If I had to guess, I think it'll be big game Garnet. I, I'd assume they'll go white Garnet Garnet. But you never know. You never know. Uh, they might go something different. I mean, so, you never know. Courtney Washington, what's going on? Appreciate you tuning in. What's up? Thomas Walker, South Point against South Florence going down in Florence tonight. Okay, big big high school game. Yeah, we got high school football tonight. Forgot about that. High school football going on tonight. Really, really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Let's see. 
Guys, phone lines are open, 843-790-3377. We should be having Jake Crane calling in in just a moment. I believe he will jump in at 1215. Um, but again, really excited to talk with Jake, get his thoughts on what happened over the weekend against Arkansas and the game upcoming this weekend. But uh, I tell you, I think Jake called it pretty well. I know you guys give him a lot of hell. Here we go. Our friend. Jake Crane of Crane and Company. Jake, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Chris, what is up, man? I'm out here at the driving range about to play <laughs> this golf tournament. So, uh, minus about an hour till I get pissed off. Okay, I got you. We'll, we'll, I will be mindful of your time, my friend. I appreciate you doing this, whether it be via <laughs> video, calling in. Hey, it's always, it is always a pleasure to chat with you. And we'll go ahead and just dive right into it, Jake. Uh, first things first, before we get to the Gamecock side of things, what a weekend of college football it was. I saw you after week one say that was the best week one you'd ever seen. I tell you what, week two did not disappoint with all the craziness and the madness and the upsets yeah. and the Sun Belt just deciding to flex on everybody last weekend. It was a wild weekend of college football, to say the least. Definitely. You know, and, and I wonder, I always go back and forth. because I'm like, all right, we don't get college football for so long. Am I just thinking this is the best week one ever just because we haven't had it? And, like, is it the same thing with week two? But going back and looking at it, man, you know, like we talked about it last week, if you're just a fan of football, the, the range of outcomes, I mean, you had upsets, you had beatdowns, you had great finishes, and, yeah, man, the Sun Belt. And it's funny, you know, everybody talks about the App State win, and they should, and the Georgia Southern win, and they should, and the Marshall win, and they should. But James Madison, in their first year in FBS, is 2-0. and Beat a Middle Tennessee State team 44-7 that then went, that went on to beat Colorado State on the road. Then you have South Alabama went up to Central Michigan and, and beat down the Chippewas, who dropped 44 on Oklahoma State the week before, and Southern Miss gave Miami a run. So, you know, as far as the Sunboat goes, they got game day this weekend. Uh, it's been a heck of a ride so far. The Sun Belt truly is the fun belt this year, I guess you could say. A hundred percent. And look, I'm a South Alabama alum. If you look at these group of five schools, the teams that are leaving the American, the Sun Belt right now has positioned themselves very, very well, and they've done it over a considerable amount of time. For sure. Jake, it's funny, man. You and I were texting, obviously, last weekend because we're going to talk a little bit about that Arkansas game before we dive into what's going to happen tomorrow. But you and I were texting last weekend, and, and obviously, you know, as the game started, Arkansas goes up 21-3. to three. You reach out to me like kind of told you so type deal. Not, not like rubbing it in my face, but to our audience yeah. because you, you – you know, I, I think you and I both saw this thing very clearly for what it was and the, the mismatch, if you will, in the trenches. And, I mean, you look back at that game, 295 yards rushing for Arkansas, you know, about 63 or something when you take away the sack yardage for, uh, for the Gamecocks. I mean, it really was just as simple as, like you mentioned, if you cannot run the football and you cannot stop the run, you're going to get your ass beat. And, you know, I, I, I admire the way the Gamecocks were able to resurge and come back in that game. But in my opinion, it never really felt like a game that I felt like South Carolina was going to steal just because you knew every time Arkansas touched the football, they could run the ball if they wanted to, and that is a demoralizing feeling. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. And, and, look, South Carolina showed a lot of fight. Uh, obviously, when you play for a guy like Coach Beamer, you're going to play as hard as you can. But it goes back to what I was saying even in the offseason. Okay, and there's a long way to go. You never know what can happen. But I got absolutely roasted by South Carolina fans for just making the observation 
that maybe the personnel and not your first 11 on offense and first 11 on defense, but your first 60 isn't good enough to do the things you want to do with that schedule. And I know fan is short for fanatical. Everybody thinks their team's going to win. But do you kind of start believing me now a little bit after seeing what happened on the offensive line? Now, I will say, Chris, I thought they passed protected for Spencer about as well as they could. But if you can't run the ball outside of running the air raid, pass protection really doesn't matter. So Arkansas was able to run it. South Carolina wasn't able to. Another point that I was making was about depth, basically the same thing. It is a battle of attrition to get through the SEC. Great example, South Carolina loses two starters on defense in one game. You haven't had enough time to create enough depth for that not to be a huge issue. And we're not even into the third week of college football, and here's your reward for losing Arkansas. You get to play Georgia. Okay, so at the end of the day, it comes down to depth. It's not your first 22, it's your first 65. And that was the point that I was making. I was trying to get South Carolina fans to understand. Now, they could write the ship, and I could be totally wrong. But it's really looking like 5-7 and seven or 6-6 six and six right now, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I want to ask you too, Jake, about Arkansas. How, how do you feel about them? I, I don't remember what your preseason projection or prediction for them was, but uh, – you know, I, I don't know. I've seen some Gamecock fans try to discredit, well, we just didn't play well. Arkansas is not all that great. I, I completely disagree. I, I don't know if they're a 10-2 and two good, but I, I think when you're talking about the conversation of who's the third best team in the SEC, I, I think you have to strongly consider mm-hmm. the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, they were my, my pick for the third best team in the SEC. I had them going anywhere from 10-2 and two to 9-3 and three with a tough schedule. I mean, this team has to go play at BYU as well. So, on top of an SEC schedule, that's a nightmare. They're out of conference. Isn't a walk in the park either. The thing about Arkansas, I, I worry about the secondary a little bit because there were some throws in the first half that Spencer missed wide open guys down the field. He overthrew two of them where the, the receiver had literally created about three to four yards of separation, and it was a walk-in touchdown. Uh I think they're a good team. I worry about the amount they run K.J. Jefferson. He already looks beat up, and we're a couple weeks in. But the best part of their offense is utilizing him in the run game, and then when he improvises on third and eight, you know, breaking the tackle and making the throw or taking off and running and running the guy over, I don't know how long they can play that style while K.J. is healthy. They got the Hornsby kid who's a really good runner as a backup, but he can't do what K.J. does. So I do think Arkansas – is the third best team in the SEC right now. I have Tennessee as my fourth. I'm not buying Kentucky like everybody else is right now. It was a great win. I'm a huge Mark Stoops guy, but I think Kentucky may be a little bit of fool's gold right now. Yeah, I feel the same way about Kentucky, and we will – yeah, we'll see what happens. That's going to be a huge game, obviously, in Lexington. You talk Spencer Rattler. Let's move to him because you look at the numbers, 376 yards passing – uh, but still an imperfect day from him. You miss early on on some of those deep throws that most certainly could have changed the game. Jake, it's it's hard for me to come down on Rattler when I, I just look at the game and I, I was like, the story of that game should be the fact that you can't stop the run. That, to me, should be it. But, you know, when you mm-hmm. lose by 14 and, you know, everything is going to get nitpicked, and certainly those throws early on, I, they're obviously throws you have to hit because, as you know better than anybody, Jake, in SEC ball, you know, you're going to get – a handful of those opportunities every game. You might only get like two or three. You might only get one. Yeah. You got to hit it. You just have to yeah. take advantage, of, especially when you're on the road in the SEC against high-quality competition. Those are just the plays you have to make. Just talk about what you saw from him, his performance again. Um, you know, the numbers, when you just look at them first glance, don't look all that bad, but obviously still a lot left to be desired for him. 
Yeah, well, this, this is why you don't just look at box scores. I mean, a, a stat, I, I tweeted this yesterday, looking at stats is like watching a movie trailer. It'll give you a good idea of what's going on, but it doesn't tell the whole story. For example, in the second half when Arkansas got up, they started rushing three and played an umbrella coverage drop in eight. They were going to give Spencer everything over the middle. Where were a lot of those passes completed? In the intermediate to catching the intermediate and running after. There was a couple that were completed down the field, but a lot of those yards, Arkansas was going to make South Carolina go eight, nine, ten plays to go score because that's going to eat clock. I don't really like that theory on defense, but Barry Odom's always done that. So a lot of those passing yard numbers are a little bit distorted. You have to look at when the game was a little bit tighter, when Arkansas wasn't playing that umbrella coverage, but you end up with one touchdown and two interceptions. Now, I, I, I know Spencer's talented. He's got arm talent. He makes throws sometimes. I'm like, goodness gracious. But, like, the dude is unbelievably talented. He does seem to be going through his progressions a little bit better this year. But what I'm looking for the most out of Spencer is body language. And to this point, I think he's been pretty good. I made it a point when, when it was going bad, I was going to watch him. When it was going good, I was going to watch him. And it's been hard to tell when it's going bad and when it's going good. And that's what you want out of a quarterback. It's just like a pitcher. They should never know if your 10 runs up or 10 runs down. So I've been happy to see that with Spencer. But without a run game, it's hard for me to come here and say, well, Spencer Rattler's the problem. Mm-hmm. Spencer Rattler really isn't the problem. It's the personnel around him. But Spencer hasn't been able – he almost has to play perfect. He, re- he really yeah. does when you're not able to run the ball like that. And that, that's too big of an ask. Do I think he's this elite guy that everybody thought he was? Said he was the – Jordan Rogers said he's the number two quarterback in the SEC. No, bro, not, not even close. Will Rogers is the number two quarterback in the SEC. But Spencer's a good player that can help South Carolina, especially next year when they add some more depth and Shane keeps recruiting like this, not only in high school, but in the portal as well. Yeah, and I think it goes back to, you know, Jake, to your point. And I remember the conversation that uh, highly scrutinized by Gamecock fans, but was very real, the combo that you guys had with David Pollock. And, uh, you know, him saying, you know, you're going to take a player from Oklahoma when he's surrounded by, yeah. you know, five-star talent and he's going to come to South Carolina and be better without all those five-star players around him. So, yeah, I mean, it's to your point, you know what I mean? There, there's more left to be desired, but he has to get help. You know what I mean? He just – Every quarterback that goes for everybody. Like they, they, nobody can do it alone. Yeah. Well, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's why football is the ultimate team sport. Right. If this was basketball, one get one guy can take over right. a game mm-hmm. and win you a basketball game. In baseball, you can have a pitcher go up there, throw a perfect game. All you need is one run, mm-hmm. or you go get eighteen hits, or one guy goes four for four with a grand slam and a three run home run. Football doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. One, the closest football's ever gotten to one guy being the whole team was Cam Newton. Because there wasn't another offensive player on the team that started that played one NFL snap. Let that sink in. That's the closest we're ever going to get. Uh, Jake, kind of an interesting question. Jeff, I want to shout out Jeff Gulledge real quick. He just dropped this in our comments. Uh, there's been a lot of debate about, you know, I, I've thought since the beginning that Spencer Rattler was sort of a quote-unquote one-and-done guy at South Carolina. His goal was to, you know, come here for a year, go to the NFL. Do you think there's any possibility that Rattler's back in Columbia next year? I, I think there is. I, I think there's actually a strong chance that I'd be surprised if he left. Because if you look at the draft boards right now, there are a lot of guys, even in the SEC, even in the SEC East, that are ahead of him right now. Hendon Hooker right now is ahead of Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. Anthony, Anthony Richardson right now is ahead of Spencer Rattler. Hell, Stetson Bennett may end up winning the Heisman. Now, Stetson isn't playing in the NFL, but right now, I, I mean – Look around the rest, the rest of the East. 
Missouri, Brady Cook, mid, not, not, that's not something. Vanderbilt, Mike Wright, he can run really well, but so does my washing machine. When it comes down to it, Spencer Rattler right now is in the middle of the East when it comes to quarterback and draft ability. I think he needs two years at South Carolina. I think it'd be a really good look for him to come back with good personnel and have a big year at South Carolina, which I think they could have in 2023. Yeah, it's interesting. That'd be wild. That would be absolutely wild because I, I've just, I, I, bas- I, I guess I just had it in my head. He's going to be one and done, whatever. But you're right. I mean, if he doesn't like where he's going to go uh, in regards to his, you know, his draft stock, why wouldn't you come back and develop your game? So, um, you know, on the defensive side, Jake, before we move off of Arkansas, I, I don't know that there's really a ton to address there. Again, it's kind of the proofs in the pudding and they were able to run all over you and, and uh, it's only going to get tougher, only going to get tougher with the Georgia Bulldogs. But like you mentioned, man, just the lo- losing Mo Cabo, losing Jordan Strawn, th- the depth issues. And, and you look at the numbers right now, and it looks really similar to last year where, you know, last year you were mm-hmm. top 10 in the country in, in pass defense, but you were like 100th in run defense. This year right now, I believe you're 15th in pass defense, but you're literally 129th in stopping the run. It, 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 it almost – it feels like yeah. deja vu. Well, yeah. I mean, look, again, well, why would I sit here? You're not going to give up a ton of pass yards when everybody's running it down your throat. You know, again, th- those two things can go together. Sometimes that yardage given up can be misleading because maybe the week before you played a triple option team that didn't throw it. Now your yards per game given up went down a ton, even though you, how much better are you at defending the pass. Look, at the end of the day, it's about players, okay? Mm-hmm. You can talk about play calling. You can talk about culture and all this stuff is very important. But typically, the team with the best players and the most good players that play the most discipline wins the game. That's the trick. The hardest part is getting the players there. It's a lot easier to develop them and, and breed a winning culture when you have really good players because you start winning and then good players want to go play for winning programs. So it comes down to depth. And guess what? Now you play Georgia. You don't walk away from Georgia healthier than when you walked in. Speaking of the Georgia Bulldogs, Jake, let's talk about them. What have you seen from Georgia thus far this year? You know, I think a lot of Gamecock fans this week are just hoping that maybe, you know, Oregon's vastly overrated and maybe Georgia's not as good, but the number one team in college football. And you look at them, and they ain't missed a beat from last year. Stetson Bennett's been on a tear playing like the best quarterback in the SEC over 300 yards passing his first two games. Again, you look at that defense. Hasn't given up a touchdown for the second straight year. The Gamecocks enter this game looking to be the first team the college football season to score a touchdown against the dogs. Uh, j- just talk about Georgia first, and what have you seen from them? And I-, I mean, I feel like from my vantage point, Jake, they are yet again one of the elites of college football. Yeah, unless you guys are sending Liam Neeson over there, I don't think you have a chance. Um, this Georgia team, while they're a little bit different than last year, I think they're more balanced. I think they're a more balanced team this year than last year. Last year, it was like, you know what? We're beat up at wide receiver. Sessions at quarterback. We have a once-in-a-lifetime defense. Let's just play it close to the vest and see if we can't win one. And they did. This year, Sessions got nothing to lose. He's already a hero. They could lose every game. And he's still one of the few Georgia quarterbacks that have won a national championship. Now you have those guys back healthy at the wide receiver position. You didn't have a ton of turnover in the offensive line. You've got Milton, McIntosh, and the rest of the aliens that Georgia has running around in the backfield. And then on defense, all you did was return a couple guys and then add guys underneath the greatest defense that Georgia's ever had who learned from the Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis and, and Trayvon Walker. I mean, Jalen Carter's as good as anybody out right now. Nolan Smith is an absolute monster. I don't know if Georgia's going to cover, but it is going to be a physical, bloody war. 
and they played their starters against Stanford, you'll look at that Stanford score and be like 33 to nothing. Maybe Georgia's overrated. No, Georgia had the game won and they took all their good players out. It was it was basically a bye week and they still didn't give up a touchdown. Georgia is the class of the SEC so far. I still have Bama second, and I don't see anybody getting close to Georgia right now. I mean, Jake, I don't know if people realize this, but that Georgia-Sanford game, there was a running clock in the fourth quarter. They agreed to that before the Look, fourth they, quarter they played. Listen, it, <laughs> they played a jamboree against Sanford. Right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, G- Georgia did what they wanted to do in that football game. Uh, we'll we'll start first defensively for the Gamecocks, Jake, when you look at this game again. It, it's It's weird. I was asked this earlier this week, and it almost made my brain melt because somebody asked, do you have to, if you're the Gamecocks, do you have to sell out on stopping the pass? And I'm like, do you no. realize how poor we've been stopping the run? <laughs> and I feel like yeah. that's been trying yeah. to stop the run. I don't want to see what it looks like if we're selling out to stop the pass and we got a three-man front, we're sitting back. And I, So I would ask you, I mean, Georgia obviously still, I, I feel like Georgia's bread and butter is what it's always been, run the football, big physical team. They're yeah. going to be nasty in the trenches. If you're the Gamecocks, you're Clayton White, how would you attack Georgia, a team that I feel like – I mean, I look at them across the board. It just feels like they have no weaknesses. Yeah, well, I do a little bit of what Texas did. I would manipulate the front all the time. I would run center bunch, even though that's a dangerous game. I would blitz. I would try and confuse Stetson. But I wouldn't sell out for one thing. I would match personnel. But if I had to pick one thing to stop, it'd be the run. Stetson beat me through the air, which he could do. And if you want to sit there in man, it's probably going to be a long day. But I would much rather you beat me with Stetson Bennett's arm than Georgia getting in 12 personnel and you just running power and counter and inside zone down my throat. Because to me, that's the most demoralizing thing. And that's what Georgia's going to try and do. Georgia's going to try and bully South Carolina. They're going to try and get a lead early and then sit on the ball. That's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to make Spencer Rattler. If, if it's me and I'm playing South Carolina on offense, all I'm doing is getting up in your face. As a DB, I'm going to keep the box even, and I'm going to make you beat me on the outside. That's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be able to sit in that pocket and bide time, which I don't see South Carolina being able to protect them. You're not going to get a three-man rush all the time like you did from Arkansas. They'll pin their ears back and come get you. So really with Georgia, it's do you want the fast death or do you want the slow death? <laughs> Such an elegant way to put it, my guy. <laughs> but you know, to your I mean, point, it's the truth. You no, it's the truth. Hey. Cuts, or do you just want him to chop right. your head off at the beginning? Jake, trust me, I I I appreciate the hell out of the truth that you bring because I do just the exact same, and I don't want anybody to sugarcoat it. Um, I, I was gonna say though, I agree. Well, it's with, like I said, listen, yeah. if I was trying to make everybody happy, I'd sell ice cream. I've actually stolen that line from you a couple of times. I hope you don't mind. Um, it's, the, I, it's I, the truth. Yeah, I, I feel, tell my players that all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel the same way. But I, I do agree with you, by the way, on the defensive side. I, I think, again, you have, to, you have to sell out to stop the run because if, if you can run the ball at will on your opponent, it really truly is just a demoralizing thing. I, I mean, it, it just it, – it's, it's so exactly right. demoralizing for the defense. You mentioned offensively, uh, if you were Georgia, what you would do. Um, I, I want to ask you about this, by the way. And I asked uh, J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur about this yesterday, and it's, it's just been something that – you know, I think is really intriguing. And I think it might be a smoke screen. I have to believe it is. But the Gamecocks offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield, I mean, it's no secret that he's on the hot seat this year after you finished last year, 116th in offense. And that just naturally is going to come with it, right? And the start to this year has been somewhat of a mixed bag. I mean, obviously you still can't run the football, but he was asked this week, about what he wants the offensive identity to be. I mean, that, that's something through the first 
two and a half weeks or so, three weeks of this season, Jake, we, we have just been hearing over and over fans. Fans are frustrated because they want to know, what is the identity? And I don't blame them. So Marcus Satterfield was asked about that, and this was his response. He said, quote, we're going to do whatever it takes to move the ball and score touchdowns. What would I like my identity to be? I'd love to be in 12 or 13 personnel, huddle up, run about 58 plays per game, rush for 275 yards, and throw for about 220. What are your thoughts on those that, that comment? Do, do you think that is reasonable at South Carolina? And just overall thoughts on, on what uh, Marcus Satterfield had to say. Well, well eventually, yes. I, I mean, you you got to get the offensive line in there. Uh, I, I think he was kind of talking about the future more than this year. Look, if you don't have good enough offensive linemen, it doesn't matter if you run the triple option, if you run the air raid, if you want to get in 12 personnel, 13 personnel, 20 personnel, stay in empty, go to quads, whatever you want, it's not going to work. So regardless of what you want your identity to be, until you have offensive linemen in there that are quality enough uh, to be able to win some of these battles uh, against some of these teams that you're going to see every year, it, those are just words. Like right now, no, you can't do it. You can't run the ball. You know, unless you've got a tight end room like Georgia. And look, I know Jaheim Bell is a good player and Stogner's a nice player, but they ain't got what some of these other guys got at tight end, including Georgia. So again, I, I don't think Marcus is wrong. I, I think he's telling the truth. But a lot of people will take that to mean, I think, this year, and they just don't have the cats to do it. So, look, the best coaches are the ones that are the most malleable. You can't play play with the players you want. you got to play with the players you got. Whatever adjustment you make needs to be tailored to what they do best. If that means you need to get in 10 personnel and throw it around and, and do things like that, then do it. If that means you feel like you can get in 12 personnel or if you don't think the wide receiver groups are good enough, then do that. But at the end of the day, you've got to play to the player's strengths. And right now, South Carolina is just not playing with a full deck. And with that being said, Jake, yeah, like you said, you got to play with the ones you got, not with the ones you want. With the ones you got, I, I just – I don't think that this is the week where all of a sudden the run game starts to click against the Georgia Bulldogs. No, so, no. How- and look, Marcus Satterfield <laughs> – Marcus Satterfield's a lot of things, but he's not a witch. Like, you can't just wave <laughs> the magic wand and be like, we have a first-round guard. Right, right, right. Like, that's, that's not how it works. Nobody gets that good that fast. So, uh, again – Play calling is the most overrated thing when it comes to football. There's a lot of great play callers that look like idiots because the players aren't good enough. And there's a lot of absolute clowns that look like geniuses because they're rolling around with NFL players all over the place. So so you think that the the criticisms that fans throw to play calling is vastly overrated? Yes, I, I think it's – I mean, I've been in it. I've seen it. Like, a, a lot of people run a lot of the same stuff. That's what people don't understand. Watch. You will see 90% of teams run split zones. 80% of teams run stick and sail and shallow cross and poco and stuff like that. What it comes down to, really the way you get people is you out-formation them and and you out-leverage them. And it's it's about matchup. That's what it's about. The the most important thing about play calling is protection and matchup. That's what it comes down to. It's not, oh, well, you know, I should have called Dino when I called Poco. Or, man, you know, we should have run counter there instead of power. Well, you know what your job is, too? It's to give an illusion. An offensive coordinator is a magician. He's showing you something you think he's going to do while he's doing what he wants. That's what makes an offensive coordinator good. It's formations over play calling. It's players over play calling and formations. I'm so glad, Jake, that we got on that and you brought that up because, it, I mean, it's literally a an every-week thing for this Gamecocks fan base. Well, it's that an people easy out, down. Chris. Yeah. It's no, an it easy is. out. It is. It is. Oh, it, the play calling isn't good. Yeah. It's, it's but, much you know, easier. Well, oh, okay, that's and, great. Yeah, it's much easier and much more comfortable for people to blame the play calling versus saying, 
the players that we have just are not good enough to execute the scheme in which we are trying to run. Yes. Now, now I will say this. If I was South Carolina, I'd do a lot more check with me stuff. I'd get up there. I'd line up. I'd fake snap it, look to the sideline, and then get the play call in. That's the way you can kind of play games with them. And when you don't have the personnel, that's the way to kind of find the matchups and motion people. You check with me in motion because most of the reason you motion people is to find out if the defense is in man or in zone. Because I'll give everybody a little hint. If you motion a receiver on one side and that DB falls into the other side, guess what? It's mail time. You just figured out blue clues. They're in man. So that's why you do stuff like that. I think people don't know football enough when they criticize to understand really what they're seeing. There's a lot more that goes into it other than just the, you know, we need to run the ball better. I mean, we need to pass the ball. But, well, my goldfish could tell you that. Like, it's again, there's, there's levels to it. So, Jake, obviously the Gamecocks are at a talent deficit tomorrow in this game when they line up against Georgia, you know, offensively taking on their defense. So, how would you combat that? If you're the Gamecocks, do you spread it out? Do you try to get Spencer Rattler going in the passing game? Like, how are you attacking this Georgia defense? Well, I'd find somebody on campus that knows magic. I mean, that's really about the only way. You know anybody that knows magic? Because I I don't see a way. I do not. Regardless of what you do outside of playing with 12 or find Dumbledore or Gandalf or somebody that can help you that it's really going to matter. But again, I would go check with me. I would mix up tempo. I would try and confuse them with looks up front against Stetson. I would show pressure back off. I wouldn't show pressure. I would bring it. I would show pressure. Then I would bring it. You just got to be a mixed bag. You got to try and force them into mistakes. That's your only shot. Jake, before I get you out of here, man, actually two more things, because I do want to talk about this SEC slate. Let's start with that. The SEC slate, what games are you looking forward to? Uh, I know, obviously, Texas A&M, Miami tomorrow night. You're Auburn Tigers. I I say you're Auburn Tigers. I don't want to pin you as like you're some Auburn homer, but you're an Auburn guy by trade. I mean, we're all fans of somebody. Right, right, right. Right. For sure, for sure. I I just, I don't want to unfairly, because I feel like you're like me. You're a level-headed dude. Um, Anyways, Auburn takes on Penn State. Got some really intriguing games this weekend. Which games are you keeping your eye on? Uh, in the SEC? Well, you know, Auburn and Penn State, Auburn's roster is, is, you know, for lack of a better term, absolute trash right now when it comes down to it, outside of the running back room and a couple spots on defense. But Jordan Hare is basically a voodoo Indian pet cemetery, you know, burial ground. So Auburn will find a way to win that game. Mississippi State and LSU is unbelievably intriguing to me. This Mississippi State team is very interesting. I want to see how consistent they can be because that's been Mike Leach's problem. Uh, Looking around the rest of the conference, South Carolina, Georgia, don't think it's going to be close. There's not really a ton of games that I'm looking at. I'm like, man, this is one we definitely got to check out. Uh, But, you know, outside of Auburn, Penn State, Mississippi State, LSU, I kind of want to see, you know, uh, again, Alabama's playing La Monroe, which – Funny stat, the last time I think Law Monroe went to Bama, they beat them, um, which is weird to say. Wild, wild. But, uh, weird there's times. not a ton, but, yeah, outside of it, I mean, BYU, Oregon. I'll tell you what, Florida State, Louisville tonight. You know, I opened the show today at Crane & Company talking about Florida State. This is a chance for them to show they're a little bit more relevant than what everybody thinks because they looked unbelievably organized against LSU, and they made LSU make the mistakes as opposed to FSU making the mistakes. So how will the, the progression of Jordan Travis continue? Will he continue to be an efficient thrower? We all know that he can run. Uh, the rest of the weekend slates, man, I mean, you again, it's, it's a pretty good week three when you look at it. Uh, so those are some games that I'm looking forward to. Jake, before I get you out of here, let's just have some fun, right? Because I, I've dropped my prediction for this game. I'm not sure if you saw it right before we came on. 41 to 10. I've got the dogs. I, I think if you're betting 
I think if you're betting on the Gamecocks <coughs> plus 24 and a half, I think what you're betting on is that the Gamecocks ones will score a late garbage touchdown on the Georgia twos and threes because I think they will be in there. Um, and that is just a realistic taking no, you know, no garnet glasses. That is a realistic view of this football game and the matchups and, and everything else. But let's just have some fun. Hypothetically, let's say Dumbledore does somehow stumble to Columbia. Like, what is the recipe for what would probably be the upset of the college football season? Yeah, George would have to get lost on the way to Columbia. I, I don't know another way. Spend the week um, at Buda Bar, right? Spend, the, spend the week at Buda Bar yeah, in downtown Athens. Like, yeah, there would have to be some huge, like, FBI thing that involves 75% of George's roster or, or something. I don't know. Uh, but, look, I, I think you're looking at 38-13. That's, that's what I think you're looking at. Um, I, I think somewhere around there, I think it's going to be right at the 25. Uh, I actually like South Carolina. I bought them up to 28 and a half at like minus 160 on DraftKings. Mm. So I feel good about that. But it smells like 38, 13, mm. you know, 38, 16, somewhere around there. Cause there's going to be some field goals by South Carolina. Right. Jake Crane of Crane and Company. He joins us every single Friday. And Jake, I just want to say this, man. I really do appreciate, genuinely appreciate your, you know, refreshing, realistic perspective. You don't care about feelings. You just care about facts. And that is why you and I get along so well, my friend. I appreciate it every single Friday talk, chatting with you, and we'll do it again next week. Definitely, Chris. Well, you know me, how much respect I got for you, man. You've done a great job. The show's looking great. And, you know, I do work at the Daily Wire, and at the Daily Wire, facts do not care about your feelings. So, uh, yeah, I'm about to go out here in this golf tournament and see how many balls I can hit in the woods and how pissed I can get. So, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> Sounds like a hell of a Friday, Jake. We'll talk soon, my man. I appreciate you. All right, buddy. See ya. Take care. Great stuff, man. Jake Crane. Love that. Let's give Jake Crane a freaking round of applause. I, I, I love that. I love that. See, it's funny, man, that there are people in this, in this, I call it this industry, whatever. There are people that try to do what I do that, uh, you know, that they, they, they only want to be surrounded by conversations that make them feel warm and fuzzy inside and that align with their opinions and align with what they think. In regards to the banter, and the, the opposite and the opinions that may ruffle feathers of people, I run towards that. I run towards that. I like a refreshing, realistic perspective. And listen, Jake Crane is not giving an unfair take. He has no slight against the Gamecocks. He has no biases. Um, he calls it as he sees it, and, and I respect the hell out of that. So, Jake Crane, I appreciate you, my friend. Jake Crane, a crane and company. Y'all check him out. Tune into his show. Jake does a fantastic job. And in case you've missed this before, and that was your first time hearing Jake, Jake is a huge Huge fan of Shane Beamer. Huge fan. He believes in Beamer. He believes Beamer is going to be the guy down the road. Uh, but you know, this year again, it, it, you got to play with the guys you want or have, not the ones you want. That, that's it. Bottom line. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll go out there and play with the ones we got. All we got is all we need, right? But I just don't know if all we got is good enough to beat the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't think it is. Uh, guys, we're going to jump into a quick break. But on the other side, hey, let's get into your questions, your comments, your calls, and more. On the other side of this break, you're tuned in to the Daily Crow. Okay, all right, we have audio. We had no audio, that entire thing. You didn't hear a single word I said. Uh, anyways, hey, appreciate you all tuning in. We are back, taking your questions, comments, calls. I apologize. I don't know what happened. Uh, technology's great until it isn't. Either way, um, would love to hear from you all. Again, really excited to get back down to Columbia. Game tomorrow, going to be a little bit of a good time. Uh, I apologize for the technical issues. I have no clue what happened there. I was just talking, and you guys weren't hearing anything. So, <laughs> really good stuff. Chris Miller, let's jump back into your questions. I just don't see us going eight and four. If we do, I'll be hella happy. But going five and two from the Kentucky to Clemson stretch is a tall task. Going to take much improvement. 
you know, again, guys, you don't want to jump ahead. Um, these next two weeks after the Georgia game are going to be really interesting in regards to just making content and, and, and talking about it because you got Charlotte and SC State back-to-back. And, I mean, you're going to be expecting to beat both of them thoroughly, right? You better, you better, you better. Um, but I think it's going to be a really important two-week stretch for Gamecocks football. Um, in regards to figuring out who you are, what you're good at, what your identity is. Um, let's see. Alan Vaughn says he just called Seawells. Grilling is allowed in our space. I'm parking with the Spurs Up Club. Spurs Up Club. Love that. The Big Cock Club, my guy. Yeah, Alan, you can grill for sure. You can you can grill for sure. Uh, Austin Greer. Yeah, that, that DM was crazy. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. It's, it's wild. Timothy Farmer, do you think South Carolina Gamecocks are going to be good tomorrow against the Georgia Bulldogs? I, I mean, I'm hoping so. I'm 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 hoping. Um, and, and again, I I want to make it clear. I want to make it clear because I've locked in my score prediction: forty-one to ten Georgia, and, and that's a big score. That's a big spread. That's a big score. Um, I was a little over optimistic last week, even in picking a loss. You know, I picked a six-point loss. I was a little over optimistic last week. I am admittedly going into this game a little bit more conservative, right? I'm a little more hesitant to pick a close score, right? But I'm hopeful. I mean, listen, I'm hopeful that Georgia is not on their A game. Georgia plays their their C minus, their D plus game. Stetson Bennett's turning the football over, football's on the ground a couple times. I think you're going to need a defensive touchdown, defensive and or Special teams, touchdown, right? Right? Um, you know, Spencer Rattler's got to have the game of his life. Line of scrimmage has got to do something it hadn't done all year, which is play well, right? So, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. It, it happened in 2019. It's not impossible. I'm hopeful that guys like Antoine Wells, Josh Van, the carry-on joiner, all these guys step up, play well on the outside. Xavier Leggett, Jalen Brooks, just go down the list of all the guys. Uh, Lady Bree, the comment about, I think I saw the formation video. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Chris, I uploaded a video to my channel about the formations. Not sure if you can use it or if there's a way to get me in live to do it in here. Um, I'll, I will check on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I don't know why I come on here. My daggum, I got a frog in my throat every time. Never happens on the podcast. I don't know why that is. Um, yeah, I, I will try to look at that, Lady Bree. I'll try to look at that. Um, anyways, guys, phone lines are open. 843-790-3377. That is 843-790-3377. Austin Greer says, 2022 Georgia would beat 2019 Georgia by 30. I, I do, Austin, I, I do tend to agree with you. I think Georgia's much, I mean, they're on, they're just, I feel like they're on a different planet now, you know what I mean, than they were then. Um, so, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <clears throat> we will see. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to need a lot of things to go your way. <clears throat> You've got to start fast, no doubt. That's one of my keys to the game. You've got to start fast. You, uh, you, know, you can't afford to get down 21 to 3, 24 to 3, like whatever. You, you just can't do it. You, you can't do it. Uh, Georgia will, will put their foot on your throat, and they'll, they'll keep it there, and they will not let you come up for air. So, uh, listen, I, I've got my fingers crossed. I'm hopeful. I, I'm, I've, I would love to see nothing more than, like I told you guys, if you can lose by 14 or less, I think it's a successful day. I mean, I, you know, the no moral victories crowd will go crazy. But it's, it's wild. I'll tell you this. 
because for those that follow along, it, it's it's no it, it's kind of like what Jake Crane will say. I, I relate a lot more to a Jake Crane than 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 others in the quote unquote industry because, like for example, Jake Crane is an Auburn guy, right? By trade, he's an Auburn guy, but when you think of him, like he's a national analyst and he gives the the opinions and the takes from a national analyst viewpoint. That is how I approach things. Guys, I'm a Gamecock by trade. I'm a fan, but I don't call things based off of how I want them to go or how I want them to view. I call them based off of how I view them and just how I feel like they are. I'm not always right. Sometimes I, I, you know, sometimes I miss, right? Sometimes I, when I'm talking ball, we, we miss on predictions all the time. We miss on certain things. But I, I, that's why I can appreciate a guy like Jake Crane. I, I appreciate his realistic viewpoint. I choose not to live in some fantasy land when it comes to, you know, South Carolina football or just my favorite sports teams or where they are. So I think we are well on the way. So, so when it comes to this whole moral victory crowd, the moral victory crowd. Like, I'm not saying throw a parade, as I mentioned yesterday. I'm not saying throw a parade if you lose by 14 points. That's not what I'm saying. But it's about having a realistic expectation, understanding of where you are, right? Georgia's on a they're, – they're on a different level than everybody. They're on a different – like, if I was giving you – if I was giving you week-in, week-out projections or predictions for Georgia, like scores – Bro, they'd be kicking everybody's tail. Everybody. Not just Carolina. Everybody. Right? And again, I, I am optimistic that we can cover the 24 and a half. Like I said, admittedly, I, I, I went I went a little more conservative with my pick because I, I was, you know, over-optimistic last week. Right? So, you know, I, I do believe we can cover plus 24 and a half. I, I do not think the Gamecocks can win. If you're coming here looking for that, for, for, the, for those takes – if these two teams played a hundred times, I think Carolina may, maybe would win once or twice, maybe, maybe. I mean, ESPN gives you an eight percent chance. So they, if you just want to go off of that, you'd win eight times out of a hundred. Now, maybe this is one of those times, maybe, but it will take Georgia playing their worst game of the season. Bottom line: if Georgia plays their best game, it doesn't matter what you do. And again. As I've said all week, that's not an indictment on South Carolina's football team. I picked this as a loss in the preseason while also picking you to go eight and four. But Georgia's on a different level. It is more of a tip of the cap to Georgia. And what I think of them as a football team versus me saying, well, the Gamecocks are just terrible. I mean, they're going to go four and eight this year. But if Georgia plays their A game, there's only one team good enough in college football to beat them, and that's Alabama. So you need to bank on the dogs. If you're going to pull some crazy upset, you need the dogs, like in 2019, to just not play their best game. You need Georgia to come out flat. They need to be sloppy, turning the football over. That's what has to happen. You're, you're not going to beat them just lining up mano y mano, and, you know, you're just not going to do it. So... Lady Bree says, moral victory is not what we need. We need to put on a good show and push for a great show for the recruits. Is it possible? Sure, but winning is not, and moral victory is not the prize this year. Well, and Lady Bree, listen, I I'm not saying, like, cling to it. I'm not saying go brag because you lose by 14 points. I'm just saying, like, it's okay to be encouraged by progress. 
Don't 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 let folks tell you otherwise. Like it's okay. It's okay to to play a Georgia and, and you know, if you lose 24 to 17, say like we made progress. This season, in my opinion, before it ever started, that's what it was about. Because hey, you went six and six last year in the regular season. Seven and six with a bowl win. Great. You got blown out against everybody that had a winning record practically. This season, okay, you could go seven and five. You could go eight and four. You could go eight and five with a bowl win, nine and four with a bowl win. But did you really make progress if, let's say, in your five losses in the regular season, let's say there were Georgia, A&M, Clemson, let's go Tennessee, and we'll go Florida, Kentucky, whatever. What, or Arkansas, excuse me. I didn't even mention Arkansas, who we've already lost to. Did you really make progress if in those five losses or four of those five losses or even three of them five, you got your doors blown off? I, I mean, it's about how you win and lose, in my opinion. It's about how you, are you being competitive? Are you making strides? Hey, you want to impress a Nicholas Harbor? You don't have to win tomorrow. You just need to show him we're going the right way, right? We're getting closer. And I'm not even saying if you get blown out that it's going to deter him from coming to Columbia because I'm sure Shane Beamer's having very real conversations with him behind closed doors and is saying, hey, you know, we're not where we want to be yet, but you can help us get there. Yeah, John says, show him. Here we go. John Rice, show him we need him. <laughs> John, <laughs> I think whether that's the plan or not, I, I think he's going he's gonna to see that we need him. Right? So, um, but anyways, it's kind of as JC was talking yesterday, and I would tell you guys too, Nicholas Harbor is more so going to be impressed by the game day atmosphere, the pregame festivities, 2001, like, you know what I'm saying, sandstorm. That's what's going to stand out to Nicholas Harbor. The final result, you know, I I mean, it's a bonus. It's a bonus if you could win. It's a bonus if you could play him close, but. That, that that that's not that's not swaying a kid's decision in my opinion. Chris Miller. I mean, this is a, this is a real take. If we lose thirty-one to twenty-four and it's a good game, it'll definitely help the fan base morale. Thousand percent, a thousand. I'd love, I'd love nothing more. You know, I'd love nothing more. Yeah, dude, that'd be incredible. And what's crazy is, like, what you don't realize, like, dude, you will gain national respect. No doubt. You will gain national respect. John says if we lose 31 to 24, it'll kill the fan base because it was within reach. So, you, so John, you'd rather lose 50 to nothing. That's what you're telling me. You'd rather lose 50 to nothing. I'd rather it be close, but you'd rather lose 50 to nothing. There he is. Robbie Davis, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? I am doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? Uh, I just wanted to say that I, even before you said it, I agree with you. Mm. When a recruit comes to look at your school, right, Mm. all they're going to be looking at is how is the atmosphere here on a game day, right? 
what's the crowd going to be like, what's the student section like, all that stuff. Now, and, and I, I also agree that if we somehow play Georgia close or pull off the upset of the year, okay, that's just icing on the cake, okay? But, and I also agree with, I, I, I think that it's going to take a minute, but right now we just don't have the horses for the horse race, I guess you could say. Georgia has the horses, and we don't. And they have the pieces, and we don't. And it's probably not going to end well. Like I said, my prediction is 41 to, or 42 to 20, okay, which is probably more than anybody else is going to ever give us, okay? But we need to control what we can control tomorrow. And like I have said, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face like a Smurf, Chris, make them earn every damn yard. Yes, our running, our run defense is trash, but at least at the moment it's trash, okay? But make them, make them understand that, yes, we may not be that good right now, but we're on the up and we're going to make you earn every damn yard that you're going to get in this football game. If we, if, if we can somehow turn it into a no pun intended dog fight, like I said before, I, 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 I don't know. We still have to play the game but I just don't think we have the, 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 the right pieces right now. And like you said before, before, and you said today, help's coming. It's just not here yet. I agree. I mean, you heard Jake Crane talk about it, man. It's uh, you, again, you got to play with the guys you got, not the ones you want. It, it's no disrespect the ones you got, but the ones you got ain't good enough to beat Georgia I, I, on in normal circumstances. Now, now again, maybe tomorrow we see abnormal circumstances, but I don't think that's something you can predict or you can bank on. That's just something you can hope for, mm-hmm. right? But as my good friend right. Alex McGrath once said, hope is not a strategy. You have to have it, but it's not a strategy. So, um, yeah, exactly. So, we'll see. I mean, again, I think progress can be made tomorrow. That's all I really want to see is positive progress. We covered the spread, and and we're able to move the football a little bit on Georgia and show a little bit of life defensively, you know, force a turnover or two. I, I, you know, I had, again, I had 35 to 17 in the preseason. I'd sign up for that score right now. I'd sign up for that score right now. And again, people yeah, people don't too. people don't like to hear it because we've fallen so far from where we were 2010 to 13 when I was expecting us to beat Georgia. 2014 even. I was expecting us to beat Georgia. I remember 2014, the Gamecocks being a nine and a half point underdog. I don't ask me how I remember, but I just do. We were like a nine, nine and a half point underdog, and we <laughs> beat them straight up. We're not, we're just we're not there anymore. We're right. 24 and a half point underdogs for a reason. So exactly. but hey. Why not? Let's shot the world. We did it in 19. I, I you know, I, I'll tell you this, and I'll just leave it at this. After losing to Arkansas and the, the, the way this week has gone, 
dude, an upset over Georgia would be what this fan base so desperately needs. So desperately needs. If we somehow pull off the miracle and beat Georgia, uh, they're, they're, I don't think Columbia would exist anymore because there would be a party going on all over Columbia. Okay. Columbia would burn down and it wouldn't exist no more. <laughs> but and I also just found out that my brother Chandler will be at the game tomorrow because uh, someone surprised him mm-hmm. with tickets to the Georgia game, so he'll be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I, like I said earlier this week, I'll wake up tomorrow ready to go and, cheering on, and cheer on the Gamecocks, doggone it, till the game is over. I don't care if it, if it gets ugly fast. I'm going to watch it till it is over because the game is never over until it is over. I mean, technically, Robbie, a game right. is not over until the until the, the clock hits zero. And, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. I just forgot to mention that. But anywho, but yeah, uh, I I will. Uh, I'll do that, and then also, my dad has a show tomorrow night. I think in the Florence area tomorrow. I just can't remember the name of the place where the show's going to be at. But uh, yeah, so if you're in Florence. <clears throat> And you're listening to the show right now. Once I uh, find out where, I don't know if he's already posted it or not, but it's, I think it's somewhere near Florence is where his show is going to be tomorrow night. But, uh, but yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'm ready for tomorrow. So, Same here, Robbie. Can't wait. To hell with Georgia. To hell with them. Don't give them any kibbles. Let them, let them starve to death. <laughs> Don't give them any uh, bulldog kibble. Let them starve to death. So I'm assuming you'll be watching the game at home, correct? Right. Okay. But I and, and, and just a reminder, I will be at the game against State. Against I will State, be yes. at the game against State. Yes, against against the against the, the other Bulldogs. South State Bulldogs. The other Bulldogs. Yes, yes. But uh, um, and uh, but yeah, that's that's all I got. Uh, you have a great rest of your day, and have uh, regardless of what happens tomorrow, I hope you and everyone else listening and in the live chat has a great weekend. <laughs> Robbie, I appreciate you, my man. Always a pleasure. You the man. All right. Thank you, buddy. Have a good one. Yeah, man. You too. Take care. Great stuff. I just learned that the game's not over until it's over. Game's not over until it's over. Yeah, Jeff Gulledge points this out. Let's do that. How about the extra 12 minutes of coverage ESPN doing before kickoff? That is awesome. That is awesome uh, to show 2001, the pregame festivities. I, I think that's incredible. And, uh, you know, pe- people uh, – People say ESPN hates us. I don't know about all that. I, I, I think that's cool. I think that's really, really cool. Uh, get to show off. Again, it's great for recruiting, obviously. Get to show off Willie B. And, and again, game day atmosphere. And 
environment and everything else. That, that ring light getting my getting my eye there. Anyways, 843-790-3377, guys. It's 843-790-3377 as we sit here on this Friday. To hell with Georgia. That's where we sit. To hell with Georgia. That's it. Bro, this ain't NCAA 2013. On that note, by the way, if you go by that, the simulation right now is 2-0. and And you might recall in the simulation, we did beat Georgia. We also then almost lost to Charlotte. So there you go. It sounds about right, right? We literally needed like a touchdown, like a minute left to beat Charlotte. So, hey, I t- you know what, though? I take it. I take it. Give me a dub over the dogs. Give me a dub over the dogs. I, I-, I take it. In a heartbeat. Let's turn to the phone lines here. Here we go. Bree, what's going on? How are you? What's up, Chris? How are you? I'm doing well. Just hanging out. What's going on? Beautiful day today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to we have wet, weather. nice weather. Weather's be? been incredible. I will say that. Weather has been absolutely incredible. Yeah. So, I, um, as we had talked about, um, I ended up, you know, I, I had the notes on the Arkansas game. And as I was reviewing those, you know, and doing that, getting ready for that presentation yesterday, I realized really watching it and studying it that I felt like Marcus Satterfield was really coming up with his offensive identity for the Gamecocks. Um, I have a visual aid of that. It's, uh, I uploaded it to my YouTube. If we could have got something set up earlier, I have to get some Wi-Fi out here. I'm in the sticks right now. Um, I could have maybe done something with you guys live or whatnot. But there is a, a video on my YouTube about it. It's about 20 minutes in length. But it basically defines all the different formations that were used. I show it with chess pieces. And how we went from five wide to four wide to three wide sets, moving through the ace formation, the I formation, and shotgun sets. And basically, what I identified out of that is Jaheim Bell might be, because we've been trying to figure out where that guy goes. It basically, he's a fullback right now. By what I'm seeing, he's gonna, he could be used very well as a fullback. It's not his natural position, but they can line him up in the backfield. He can block from the backfield. He can go out for passes from the backfield. But he can also, you know, go from the backfield and go up on the line as a tight end. You can shift as a fullback, right? You know, you can come out of formation from the backfield, and you see that regularly. A fullback moves over, you know, to chip block on the, on the corner with the tight end or something like that. Well, he's already a tight end. You know, he can go out into the formations and, and go wide. He's almost a receiver, right? He, he's got a weird build. He's a little small as a fullback, but he's a little tall as a fullback. He's a little small as a as a tight end, but he's a big receiver. So that's why everybody's, how do you utilize that guy, you know? But I think at the fullback spot, he can rotate a lot. Now, out of those formations, those guys are going to be able to use the personnel. And the personnel grouping was what was really interesting to me that Marcus was using. Because he would come out in a five-wide set, but he would put two wide receivers in. He would have both of his tight ends, Stogner and Bell, in. And then he would have one running back. When they went into tempo, they could shift into any of those uh, different formations. And that, meant, that might meant leaving Jaheim Bell out wide 
bringing Stogner to the tight end position and bringing a running back into the backfield, and they still have the same personnel that they had as a five-wide set. So they're going to be looking to keep – it looks like keeping Stogner and Bell in the game as much as they can because those are two great athletes. Rotating your receivers, obviously you're running back some as well. But using formations that Stogner and Jaheim Bell can just kind of rotate just a little bit. They can move off the line, onto the line. Uh, you can move Jaheim into the backfield, get him coming out of the backfield. Jaheim's going to have to block, though. He can't just be used to run with, and he can't just be used to pass with. They're going to have to use him sometime as a blocker, as a distractor there. You know, it's like something, you hand the ball off three times to the running back. You know, one of those times might go to Jaheim Bell. You know, and that just like a fullback would be. You know, you get everybody looking at the running back. Now you can hand the ball to the to the fullback. He's been in the backfield several times, never got the ball, never got the ball, never got the ball. Boom. We've also seen, you know, guys from the you know in the fullback position that slide out of the backfield and catch small what ends up being like a little small pass, a little dump off pass, but then it's exploding down the field. And Jaheim Bell's well set up for that. You know, you get him coming out of the backfield. He angles around the O-line, around the line, comes back out in front of the um, quarterback, you know, and then, boom, he's right there in the center of the field. He slid out and he slid out. Nobody saw him. He goes on a seam from out of the backfield, goes straight down the field. We're like, we need to see uh, Jaheim Bell more vertically. He can still do that out of the backfield. I think this is where he's going. I, I think this is where Marcus Satterfield is going. I can't say for sure. Hell, I'm not in his coach's room. But I really just watching his formations and how they went into tempo and how they flowed with their personnel, how they utilized the personnel was very intriguing. And it took me really watching the game several times because, you know, I can't see who's on the field every play. I had to slow it down, go and look, you know, like, okay, I don't have all the angles they do in the coaching room to see how the plays were going. You know what I mean? But I had to really slow it down, go back and look. And I was like, okay, well, they were five wide. But they only had two wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Right. They had two tight ends on that formation. They had a running back in on that five wide formation. And then they shifted immediately into a four wide or a three wide with a tight end on the line or Jaheim in the backfield. All those things just shifted in and out. They shipped it from they can shift it from the shotgun set right into an I form set or an ace set and still run virtually the same play but have a different look. So it's, it's going to be very interesting because I think he's found a way to keep his offense simple but add a diversity to it and move his pieces around that he's going to need to move, like Jaheim Bell, you know, and how do we get these all these explosive uh, playmakers, how do we get the, uh, the ball in their hands? I think he's, he's, he's figuring that out. Now I will say if, he, if he's got to figure it out by tomorrow, hey, that could look really good. But I still think it's going to take them getting to Lexington before they're comfortable with this. And I'll, have a, I'll be able to give you a report next week and see if I'm right, see if the, the formations and the offense continue to developing in that route. But that's what I'm thinking. Jaheim Bell is going to be coming out of the backfield a lot. We can use him as a blocker. We can, we can dump off on, on screens and things like that as well. There's a lot he can do coming out of the backfield. Um, initially, I would say, hey, we got to get Jaheim out of the backfield. That's not working. But I see where he could stay in the backfield utilized properly. And he yeah. certainly can't be that every time he's in the backfield, it's a handoff to Gene. <laughs> that's just not going to fool anybody. Yeah. So, but I, I think that's where Marcus Satterfield is feeling. I think he's got kind of a spread, spread offense kind of thing going on to where he's going to balance it with some, some draws, 
some sweeps out of like two back sets from the shotgun. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things he can do. I showed a lot of those potential plays and stuff in my video. So if anybody uh, goes to tune into that, you'll see like the play, the, the ways that the running backs and Jaheim might move out of the backfield while he's back there. So, but I think, I think that's where it's going, man. I, I wouldn't have thought of Gene Bell as a fullback preseason, but the way he's playing them, he's starting to look like that. For sure. No, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you're seeing kind of like that H back, that H back type of um, using him like that H back, like you saw at Oklahoma. That's what I'm trying to say. I couldn't spit it out, but uh, you know, I, I think we can all agree, if nothing else, zero catches for uh, zero catches for Jaheim Bell last week. That that can't happen. Just cannot happen. No, no, and, and I think he's going to figure that out in between. So I think that I think he's going to go back. He's going to look at the play footage. I think he realized he missed some opportunities that he maybe should have ran the ball a little bit more. But I think he's. I think I honestly think, and that's what that's what I was mostly harping on. I think he found his formations and how he wants his offense to flow. I think he figured that out last week. I think that was the big reason. I, I felt like he was very confident in his um, post post uh, post game interview, you know, or whatever. Not the post game, but uh, on like Wednesday or whatever. He did the press conference. He seemed very confident about what he had achieved in that game. Even in a losing effort, he felt good about what they had done and just kind of maybe had this realization like, dang, man, I left a little bit on the table by not calling up running plays. I think our offense is going to be, you know, a 60-40 split, maybe a little bit, 65-35, definitely going to be pass heavy, but he's he's definitely got to find that balance with the run right there, you know. But it's going to be pass heavy. He's going to do the runs coming from, like I said, these um, two back sets and things coming out of shotgun sweeps. That's what I noticed was a lot of sweeps. And guess what? Actually, where we were thinking our guys were, were better getting to the perimeter, our guys did better running between the guards and the tackle. Uh, and Georgia, actually, from what I saw from their Oregon game, that was the one spot where they were letting the runs open up was through the guard and the tackle. So we'll see, you know, if that's plays out into the Georgia game. Yeah, I mean, you saw – I think Oregon ran for like 149 yards or something in that game. So, I mean, listen, maybe you can get it going. I, I'll be really curious to see, especially what that first drive looks like that will be scripted by Satterfield and just kind of, kind of what type of adjustments they make. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, first things first, of course, always fantastic analysis from you, Bree. And, I mean, really, just truly, it's uh, – you know, you, you know your stuff very well, for no doubt. But – uh, I, I will be curious to see. I mean, it's it's Georgia's not the, not exactly the opponent you want to go up against trying to find your identity and what works and what doesn't. But it's a, it's a great challenge. It's a great test, and you know maybe you can get it going. I, I, don't, yeah, know. I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think this week's going to be good for working on it. I think they're whatever they have coming into the game tomorrow, mm-hmm. he's going to have to play it as as he has it, you know, and then try to continue developing it next week and the week after to be ready for. Once again, I keep coming back to that Lexington. I feel like Lexington, if he's got that together by then, if our defense can show that they're going to hold up, the season could be wide open by the time we get there, if, if we do great there. Mm. You know, after that, you know, after Lexington's when we're going to really know. I, I just yeah. – tomorrow, tomorrow's not it. I mean, he's going to have – he might – hey, man, he might surprise us. They might have it together. I just don't think we have enough depth, mm. biggest thing. And, uh, you know, unless we can control the pacing of the game some, have those big plays, you know, plus he's got – the offense has really gotten it together by then. It just – we just don't have a lot of 
chance tomorrow, but I just I, – I'd still see a big season. I, you know, I, the more I look at it, Chris, you know, the possibility of a 10-win season's there. You know, if we perform really well in Kentucky, I, I would go as far as to saying that's a possibility. I think we just edge by Kentucky and we edge by a few more games this year and we have that eight or nine win season back. I mean, but I, I, that's where I'm still at. But hey, the possibility. So, you know, because Co- Coach yeah. Beamer doesn't like that negative talk. You know, I look at possibilities and I say, hey, there is a possibility if we get it together by Lexington. If yeah. you got those formations down, if the receivers, the, the backs, everybody understands these formations and how they how fluid they are, by the time we get to Lexington, that can be in the that that, that can be a super explosive offense. I mean that that's that's certainly the potential for that offense to be extremely explosive. I mean, it's the possibilities that keep us going. I mean, to your point, Lady Bree, I, I uh talking about 10 wins, hey, from your lips to God's ears. But I picked eight and four in the preseason, and I picked this, obviously, as a loss. So, I mean, it's 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 very doable. I, I, do I, I have it as a loss, too. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I would agree that, you know, and sure. I, I said this over the summer that I thought the Kentucky game, while it wasn't the most important game of the season, I thought it was, and it's going to be, I think it's setting up to be, obviously, the greatest inflection point of the season in the sense of if you are going to overachieve when seven – eight, God forbid, more, Kentucky's a game you have to win. You lose to Kentucky, you'll go into the bye week three and three, 0 and three in league play, and you're really going to be staring at fighting to get the six wins. So um, that opportunity is there, though, for sure. But obviously, uh, you know, I'm excited first to see just how we match up against the dogs. And um, I know the matchup's not great, but, you know, again, I, I think even in a defeat, if that does happen, I think you can draw a lot of positives and continue to make progress and we knew it was going to be a lot of new pieces early in the season and guys trying to figure everything out and Satterfield's trying to figure out how to use certain guys and uh, again it's a process it's a long season hey we saw it last year we saw this team come on the season late wins over Florida and Auburn so uh, maybe you have another big second half in line right especially if you can beat Kentucky and it sets you up to maybe you can you know finally knock off a Texas A&M at home or you can beat a Tennessee or you can beat a Florida or what have you so maybe you can beat a Clemson obviously I picked that as a win over the summer as well so um yeah tomorrow will be interesting for sure but it's all about you did pick you were the one you were the one that picked Clemson that's right I, I picked us to beat Clemson to yeah, I, picked, I was like I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure Chris beat us to beat Clemson I did yep, pick us to right. beat Clemson yeah I just I felt like uh by that point in the season um you know, I, I will say this. I picked us to beat Clemson. I thought the line of scrimmage would be much improved. And, I, and I'll say this, too, though. I, I've been really harsh on them, obviously, and I, I think it's been justified. I mean, you look at the numbers. But the matchups have been so bad these first three weeks. Maybe the line of scrimmage isn't as bad as, as we think it is. Maybe the matchups have just been that poor. Like, I guess we won't know for a little bit, right? Because, I mean, we're going to run all over Charlotte and SC State. I mean, you'd certainly hope so. God, you'd certainly hope so. But – um, maybe later in the season, that O line and that D line is a little bit better. I, I worry. I, I only worry about a bottom. My biggest concern coming out of that Charlotte SC State back to back game is then going into Lexington and being flat because we played two well, teams in a yeah, row. I, now, I mean, we got, I, now we got a tough road game. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like know? to look at it more. The reason I picked Kentucky as a win in the preseason, I mean, outside of I just I think Spencer Rattler is going to outdo Will Levis and. I do think Kentucky's a, a bit of fool's gold. I think they're a little bit overrated, but um, as Jake Crane was saying, but uh, no, I mean, I, I think that uh, I think actually those two weeks could be really good for you. And obviously, again, like you mentioned, you got to be mentally sharp and know how to handle it and uh, take care of your business. But 
dude, I think having two weeks to build some confidence and, and not really be up against it against a really quality football team, because even Georgia State was just like, I mean, that wasn't your just, you know, casual opener, if you will. So to have two weeks against competition that you should be able to gain a lot of success and gain a lot of confidence against, um, you know, you, you should be primed, in my opinion, and, and, and set to pull off that win in Lexington. I, I just feel like from that mental standpoint, you should. I think it'll be beneficial. That's, again, another reason I picked you to, to beat them and, and start four and two. And, you know, we'll see if it happens, obviously. But, again, first, this game against Georgia, man, it, 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 I think it just go a long way to play them close. It's about how you win and lose. And, I, you know, I, I'm not saying if you get blown out tomorrow, like, you know, the Beamer era, you're not making progress in year two. But, man, like, you know, there's a lot of teams across college football that come into games as big underdogs and and they compete and they make it close and they're not supposed to win and they, you know, they still make it close. Like, why can't we do that? You know what I mean? Why it's, it's, you know, I, I, I certainly, I mean, I picked 41 to 10. I'm going in the game with low expectations, but I sure as hell ain't going to be happy with that result. Like I, I'd like to see a, a 38 to 24, 35 to 20, like, you know, let, let's, let's, let's give them a fight. Let's make them sweat, make Georgia earn it. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll move forward from there. I mean, there's going to be no shame in losing the defending national champions and the number one team in the country, but, just make them earn it. Just make them earn it. And, you know, again, continue to develop this football team. And it's really about – you're right, though. It's really – you don't want to look too far-headed, but it's really about gearing up for that game against Kentucky. Yeah, I think so. But here's my hot take for you. I'll get off the phone. Here's my hot take for you for tomorrow. You're going to love this. We win tomorrow because we've been embellishing an injury to a key player. Mm. Instead of actually being hurt, we've been hiding them. Tomorrow, the DK comes in, he starts at quarterback, and we destroy Georgia. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What, what a, what a... Spencer's going to sit the bench. Spencer's sitting the bench tomorrow. DK's coming in, and we're, we're going to triple option them to death tomorrow. <laughs> per, per sources. Let's start the rumor. Per sources, it's happening. Sources. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, have a good one, man. Good luck tomorrow to everybody. And once again, be safe. It should be a great day. I appreciate it. Look forward to talking with you again next week. All right, have a good one. Absolutely, take care. Appreciate it. Great stuff, as always, from Lady Bree. Very, very well-thought-out insight. And I would definitely say um, Lady Bree is on YouTube. Lady Bree MMA Fighter on YouTube. Go check out the video. Uh, it's 22 minutes and 39 seconds long, titled How I Think Coach Satterfield Finding the Offense's Identity and Where Bell Fits In. I would highly suggest you check it out because, obviously, Lady Bree knows Knows football, knows ball, knows this offense, knows the Gamecocks, and is a huge Gamecock fan as well. Guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into another break, but I want to continue to hear from you more, your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Seven, appreciate you all tuning in. Content is bleeding out of the eyeballs here on this Friday. TGIF, folks, I'm so happy you're all tuned in. So pumped for kickoff. Really looking forward to it. Cannot wait to be back in Columbia. Sold out. Sold out. Sold out, Willie B. Atmosphere should be incredible. Uh, a later, by the way, kickoff, right? Let's see. Mm -hmm. 
Let's jump into the questions here. God. <clears throat> Woo. Mm. David Barnes. All the injuries in the secondary, do you think we see Lavoisier Carroll move back to DB? He seems to be buried in the running back room. So it may be in his best interest to switch positions. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess if they, David, I guess if they need him, right, they would do it. If they need him, they would do it. But, uh, you know, um, you, you hate to think we might have to do that, right? You hate to think that. But, uh, you know, if, if depth becomes a concern, I mean, he has played the position, right? He has played the position. He's capable. We know that. We, we know that he's capable. So maybe it does happen. Um, I mean, yeah, you just hate to see, obviously, R.J. Roderick might not go. Cam Smith might not go. Um, what, David Spalding, I think, was another one that may not go. So, yeah, you're up against it. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why the injuries. It's just bad luck, I guess. But Kaba Strong being out for the year, all these questionable guys. You know, Corey Rucker ain't taking a snap yet. I mean, it's tough, man. It's tough. So, I don't know. Let's see, guys. Kickoff in less than 24 hours. Jeff Gillis says, no, he'll be competing for RB1 next year. Caden Gibson. It still amazes me that Lil Turbo has gotten in-game reps and Lavoisier Carroll has not. I, I mean, I don't know, guys. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, as I told you all before, I mean, listen, I, 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 Lavoisier Carroll, obviously a very highly regarded player out of high school, and maybe, I, I don't know, maybe there's reasons, but, you know, Georgia had him at DB, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where he fits in, really. So I think it's just going to be another heavy dose tomorrow. Christian Beal Smith and Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell, and you know, trying to figure it out from there. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. So how, how do you attack the Georgia defense and with which running backs? Lady Bree says I don't do predictions. I do possibilities. I don't have us winning, unfortunately. If we get more stuff or get this stuff more together, it'll be a great game. If we don't, it'll be bad, bad, bad. Thomas Warriors, those darts during breaks. Now, I had a snack during the break, and I don't know, it just, just got me a little bit. Uh, Travi says, Van and Dak have been non-existent. Well, you know, again, Dak has been hurt, for sure. The calf has been bothering him. Um, you know, I, I think it's a really competitive wide receiver room, and, and reps are hard to come by for some guys. Um, you know, reps are just hard to come by, right? And it, It's, you know, Shane Beamer pointed this out. About a week ago, he said, whoever's practicing the best, that's who's going to get out there. And, again, you hope to see Dak Joyner come back healthy. He can be a contributor. Again, you look at Xavier Leggett. You look at Jalen Brooks, Amari and Brown. Like I said, I grouped them together in the preseason. Are those guys, like, who's going to emerge out of that group? And it might be a different guy every single week. So, yeah, you'd love to get to carry on Joyner 110% fully healthy, get the football in his hands. I think this would be a game where maybe you have a drive that maybe for a drive he comes in as a quarterback play and, you know, does some things at QB. I mean, if you, if you need a spark, switch something up, why not? You know what I mean? I, I, I think you throw the you, you throw everything at Georgia you can. You, you don't leave the playbook unopened. Um, so, uh, I, I think you throw everything you got at him and see what happens. Josh Van, I have no clue. I mean, Josh Van, we're getting to the point you might want to put him on a, on a milk carton. I, I don't know where he's been. I, I don't know if it's injuries. I don't know if it's something mental. I don't know if it's something off field. I, I don't know if he just – you know, we saw him week one. He dropped that ball over the middle, and I, I just felt like, man, like something something doesn't seem right with Josh, man. I, I don't know what's going on, but something doesn't seem right. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what's going on. But, you know, you, you, I, I feel optimistic that Josh Van will get it figured out because we saw him have so much success last year. You know, it was in, And it was in this game 
it was in this game that he emerged and came into his own. So, I uh, I mean, we all hope to see it, obviously, man. We, we all hope to see it for sure. Yeah, we, we all hope to see it. But um, I think Antoine Wells right now is obviously your go-to dude. He's the guy that you're going to be depending on to make plays. So, we'll see if that is the case yet again. Let's see. Dennis James. We want to see certain players make plays, Van and Bell, but if they aren't getting open, that's on them. They need to step up. Well, Dennis, and, and to that point, too, let's also give credit to the fact, like, you don't think Georgia's keying in on taking those guys away? Like, they know we want to go to them. They, they know what Jaheim Bell can do. They know Jaheim Bell's a preseason all-conference guy. They know what Josh Van did to him last year. So, I mean, you want to get the ball to him for sure, and I think you have to create ways to get the ball. Like, like I said last week, Jaheim Bell, zero catches. Just can't happen. I just can't happen. But, you know, I also try to give credit that, like, I'm sure I'm sure there are plays where they are trying to get the ball to those guys and, it, and it's just not happening because of the defense and what they're doing. So, you know, it, but, but, you, but you do have to find a way to get them the football. You have to. You have to. Luke RJ, we talked to all the running backs on this team in the offseason, how it'll be hard to get everybody the ball. Hopefully, Carroll and CBS get some carries. I think Carroll wants to play running back. Yeah, I mean, I – I would think so, too. I'm sure that's one of the reasons. I mean, I think Luke R.J., if he was happy with playing DB, he probably would have probably would have stayed at Georgia, right? I mean, I'd imagine he would have just stayed at Georgia. So, yeah, I think he obviously wants to play running back. Um, let's see. David Barnes, I just want to see Dak throw a TD to Rattler on a reverse pass. I, I wonder if we see any trick plays tomorrow. I, I mean, again, you, you have to throw it all out there at Georgia. You're, you're not just going to line up and beat them. You're not just going to line up and beat them in their own game. You're not going to do it, right? Uh, I just let there be slam. Yeah. Which team do you think was more talented top to bottom? 2019 team that beat Georgia or the 2022 team? Mm, more talented top to bottom. Because what's so interesting about that, yes, that 19 team, right, went four and eight. That 19 team, though, had some NFL guys on it. J.C. Horn, Israel McQuamu. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, Ernest Jones. Like, that defense had some dudes on it. Offensively, you had Brian Edwards. Shai Smith, right, was still there, obviously. Shai Smith. I, I mean, I want to say the 22 team is better. But, like, I, I, at this point, I, I guess I, I – I don't know. Like, I, I'll say this. I think the 22 team is better. I don't know if there's more NFL guys on this team than that team. But I think the 22 team – is a better college football team. Yes. Yes. And I think quarterback's a big difference, man. I mean, I, I think, you know, Holinsky um, did all he could as a freshman, but I, I think I'd take that battle, Spencer Rattler going up against, you know. And then, of course, Will Muschamp versus Shane Beamer. I mean, I, I feel like I've got to go with the 22 Gamecocks for sure. I think they're a better better college football team, top to bottom. But, again, that, that 19 team, give them credit, had NFL guys on it. Had NFL dudes. It, it, it will take, again, to upset Georgia yet again, it, it will take like an Israel McQuamu game from somebody. I mean, I, I don't know if it's Darius Rush or it's or it's uh, Cam Smith or Devontae Reed or who it is. Somebody's going to have to have that type of performance, though. Absolutely. Yeah, somebody will have to have that kind of performance. Again, guys, 843-790-3377. Phone lines are wide open. Phone lines are wide open. 
as we sit here on this Friday. TGIF, I'll be heading down to Columbia here shortly. Be heading down to Columbia shortly. Very excited to get back in the city of dreams. Very excited to see you all in the tailgate at Sea Wells tomorrow. Sea Wells tomorrow. We'll have towels. We'll have koozies uh, for sale. Also, we'll have koozies and stickers to give away for free. Really looking forward to it. Uh, Jimmy Mendio, any updates on injuries? Any updates on injuries? Nothing definitive. Shane Beamer last night just saying that everybody he said was questionable on Tuesday is still questionable. So I don't know that that really makes me feel any better that they'll play. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know that that's the case. I don't know that I really feel better about it. Uh, I, I would imagine, let me just say this, because the, the notable ones are, of course, Cam Smith, R.J. Roderick, David Spaulding, Alex Huntley, right? Those guys. I mean, I'd have to imagine at least one of them, right? At least one of them is not going to play, right? You got to imagine that. So, at least, at least. Um, and you just hope and pray it's it's not. I mean, dude, if Cam Smith don't go, oh, my goodness. That's, that's a tall task just got even tougher. Truly. A tall task got even tougher. So, let's see. DGD, you're more than welcome to call in, my guy. If you want to talk some ball, you're more than welcome. You are more than welcome, DGD. I'd love to have you. Give us the Georgia perspective. Why not? Why not? Dude Raw for show texted in, by the way. He says the corn or no, excuse me. This is Cornbread Cowboy. Go Cox. Appreciate you, Cornbread Cowboy. Legend. Legend you are. Uh, Dude Raw says it's going to be hard to drop back three steps against that defensive front. Indeed. Here we got another question or another comment. Caden Gibson, Birch and Pickens have to live up to the hype and rattling. He's a Heisman performance to win tomorrow. I mean, they, you listen, Birch and Pickens have got to play well. I mean, they got to play really well. That entire defensive front's got to play well. That entire defense has got to play well. Rattler's got to play well. I mean, you're not going to beat Georgia, and we're going to leave the game and say, well, we didn't play all that great. It's like, I mean, they're they're the number one team in the country for a reason, guys. They're loaded top to bottom. Um, again, again, it's, it's, it's like I've been saying. It, it You know, I, I picked 41 to 10. It's not even like an indictment on Carolina that I think we're just some three and nine football team. We're terrible. Like, you have to put respect on Georgia. You have to. The way they've recruited, they just won the national championship. Right? So, I mean, they're a very good football team. Very good football team. Jeff Gulledge says, do you think some of the injuries are just to play mind games with Georgia? I mean, maybe. I mean, we've definitely seen gamesmanship. We've definitely seen it. You know, I guess that's something coaches do. It is. I guess that's something. But, I mean, I can can assure you Georgia's preparing like they're all going to play. So, what's the difference? But I guess any advantage you can get, you try to get it. Guys, we're going to go ahead and squeeze one last break in here, but I want to continue to hear from you more, your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. We're back. Final, God, I can't even spit it out. Final seven minutes or so here on the Daily Crow, taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. I wanted to show you guys this real quick. 
and I forget the exact name of the dude who made these, but had a fan of the show send me these. Want to say thank you. These coasters, if you can, mm, the glare. Very, very cool stuff. So, thank you. I mean, I always appreciate it, again, when fans of the show send over gifts. And, I mean, this is a really, really cool thing. It's solid, the show. So, appreciate it. Anyways, guys, final six minutes. Your questions, comments, Carl. Young Savage, what's up, man? How are you? Nine months, man. How about you? Doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? Chris, uh, I can ask you a question. Uh, you you called in, so you can do whatever you like. What's up? I feel I, I'm feeling uncomfortable right now because tomorrow is the day because I want to I want to um bury uh, Muschamp for good for good. Because of what with Muschamp? Because I know Muschamp is just um do uh just um doing the one thing because I know he's coming back to return to William Bryce Stadium for tomorrow and this afternoon I think the game will be. You'll go uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, the game will definitely be uncomfortable if we get our asses kicked. So I, I hope that's not the case. Um, yeah, and, you know, there haven't been a whole lot of banter about Muschamp coming back. I didn't even talk about it really on the podcast that dropped this morning. I mean, it's 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 notable, I guess. But, you know, he's – whatever. He's on Georgia's staff. I don't know, you know, how much of his coaching prowess plays into the game. But certainly something interesting for sure, intriguing about the game. So – um, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it could be an uncomfortable afternoon, Young Savage. Because I feel very um, disappointed of him that he's not the best coach, and I cannot, I, I cannot believe in my own eyes that he's coming to turn to the William Bryce And to be, to be fair, I don't want to see, I don't want to see, I don't want to see his face on camera on national television because it will, it will um, affect me, my view. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know. They're not going to leave him behind, though. They're not going to leave him behind. This is why, just because that's why I got a lot. Of, I got a lot of questions to ask. I need answers. That why is Will is coming back to the same? Because people don't like Will Muschamp at all. Because he left, he got fired two years ago, and I can't even don't want to think about it. Because I just got something got something on my chest. So Will's just not, Will Muschamp is the worst coach I ever seen in my entire life. And to be clear. Georgia, Georgia, the Bulldogs, it's, it's not it's not it. Because the Bulldogs ain't shit. Because we, we're going to beat them uh, for sure. Because, you know, I know we're going to get our asses kicked, but we're going to kick, we're going to kick Georgia's ass. So, at the end of the day, you cannot come for us. You cannot come for Shane Beamer or, or Beamer's household in the stadium. And that's, that's that, um, is what it is. Because I got something to say on my chest. So, guess what? We will beat them. I love that, Young Savage. You got me ready to run through a brick wall. Yeah. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for it in a brick wall. Like, for real, I'm waiting to throw it everybody so hard on their asses. Like, like I don't, I don't really don't give a fuck about it. And to be clear, I really don't want to see – I don't want to see his nigga ass face right now because he's, he, he's, he's too old for me. He's too old. You know, boy, Young Savage, I love it, man. Yeah, we're hey, listen, we're looking forward to kickoff, and I mean, fingers crossed, dude. I'm 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 hoping and praying it uh, it'll happen. We got we got we got to play we got to play like we got to play like it's promising. Yeah, we got we got to win promise tomorrow after yeah. you because I'm just waiting on that on the on this day. 
because I don't want to lose. I want I don't want Bill to be upset and bad because I know myself is is a bitch in the in the nationwide. Because look at look at Beamer. He's young and awesome and fantastic coach I ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I love it. Young Bra- or yeah, Young Savage, I appreciate you, my man. Thank you so much for calling in. You're welcome. Have a great weekend. Yeah, man. Let's win. Go Cox. Go Cox. To hell with Georgia. To hell with Georgia. Young Savage, take care, my guy. Appreciate you. Great stuff. Hey, he's picking the dub. Why not? He got me ready to run through a brick wall, my guy. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, Guys, just a couple minutes to go. Hey, appreciate y'all. Here, let's jump to the phone lines real quick. Call from JTS2 Solutions. To accept, press one. What's going on? You're on the air. How are you? What's up, man? Sun Tzu, OG, representing 864. Um, how you doing, man? I've been meaning to catch up with the show, dude. Yeah, uh, I'm doing well. A bit, but... Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Just, just, uh, just rocking. What's going on? Hell yeah, dude. Keep rocking, bro. That's what I want to hear, man. I like the positivity. And uh, Young Savage, man, you keep kicking ass yourself, buddy. Like, you're the man. Uh, and I like somebody threw out some hate to Muschamp. I think that is awesome because I can't stand that guy, man. I pretty much almost quit watching Carolina football during that period, man. So it's like, I don't know what he does. It holds the clipboard, I guess. But, uh, man, I, I got to go and catch some of your past shows, bro. I've been missing you, man. I, I don't know if you know, I saw you out in front of the stadium, dude. No, I remember that. I, no, like, I, I remember seeing dude. you. Dude, I remember seeing you. Yeah, I was uh, – yeah, I was <laughs> – That's right. the thing I told my girl. <laughs> yeah, my, my brain's only going 1,000 miles an hour on game day, obviously, which is a good thing. But, no, oh. I, I remember seeing you for sure, man. It was, it was, uh, it was great to meet you in person. Oh, thanks for saying that, man. I, I love this. I was like, man, that's it. I was like, man, I wish I had a podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think you do a really great job, bud. Uh, I appreciate that, man. Uh, Thank nothing you. but positivity for me, my man. I appreciate and, uh, that, man. I don't mind like really talking points. I really oh, I, I, just, I know you're closing the show, and I'm sorry. I always catch it late. Man. No, you good? I'm gonna say, uh, I think Carolina is really good. Like. I, I went back and watched the offensive possession from uh, last week. And, I mean, I'm just a layman. I've never played football or anything, but I've been watching for like 30, 40 years or whatever. To have a quarterback, I mean, obviously we have such a talented quarterback, man. It's like, I, you know, I just think we're a good team, man. I think we're going to finish 7-5, 8-5, 6-6. That would be bad, but that's the absolute worst worse that's my opinion um i just think this i think this, i think they're gonna click dude and, uh, <laughs> uh, i guess that's all i got to say but i, I put up uh, the spread i'm going uh carolina against the spread it's up to 26 man <laughs> it's up to 26 so. i like it man hey, good, good teams win great teams cover my guy good teams win great teams cover Yes, sir. And keep keep rocking and go game dogs. All right. Sun Tzu, I appreciate you, my guy. Take care. Great stuff. Hey, great way to close out the show as well. Guys, just want to say thank you all so much, man. Another successful week in the books with the the podcast, the Daily Crow, 
the merchandise, all the contents. And uh, thank you all so much, man. Those that show love, show support, appreciate y'all. Looking forward to tomorrow, less than 24 hours from kickoff. Going to be one hell of a time. Come on out, Seawells, spot 78. Like I mentioned, we'll have koozies, towels for sale, koozies and stickers to give away. Going to be one hell of a time. Guys, again, thank you all so much, man. I appreciate it. Truly, the love is, is, is uh, more appreciated than you know. Let me just say that. Guys, appreciate it. Hey, y'all have a fantastic weekend. I'll leave you with this. Go Cox to hell with Georgia. And we will talk to you on Monday.